Brother Charlie would be my first favorite. too old to do that kind of thing but I stopped Karen and I pick on each other about getting older I said we're just getting one day closer to the Lord I get another spot there while I'm closer to the Lord <laughs> okay let's uh, uh this is something new and it got started on me today I don't think we've done this in a while have a transition song song for when the kids are going off to uh, junior school I know that we used to do that here and I'm the one that gets to start it back. <laughs> so it's, it's number 710. Everybody like to sing together number 710. Uh, it's Jesus loves the little children. You know, I get so used to singing it the way Ray, Ray Stevens sings it, I forget the verse. <laughs> so I may have to re-recognize myself with the first verse before I get going good. By the time I make it to the chorus, I'll be okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Jesus called the children dear, come to me and never fear, for the love of little children of the world. I will take you by the hand, lead you to the better land, for I love the little children of the world. Jesus loved the little children, all the children of the world. They are precious in His sight. Jesus loved the Jesus loved the little children of the world. Uh, I remembered, Brother Charlie. Take your Bibles, if you will, turn to the book of Romans, chapter number one. The book of Romans, chapter number one. It is good to see each of you this morning. And I just want to say, I don't want to call names because I surely would um, forget somebody, but I just want to say thank you to everybody that has helped us during this transition and um, all the work that has been done and um, those that have. Um, helped us unload and unpack and um, do all that stuff. Um, I will tell you, I am um, probably not ever going to move again. I'll just, I'll just soon die than have to move. Um, I told KK, I said, one or two things will happen if we ever move again. I said, we'll just leave everything there and let somebody else deal with it. And we'll start over or we'll just hire it to be done. And either way, I'm going to start saving now just in case we ever do move again um, but um, it has definitely been experienced my uh, I moved from home to um, the house um, that we lived in for four years and um, it was about um, probably about uh, I guess uh, 800 feet um, between the two and so my idea of moving was was I'll leave everything at my grandparents house and as I need it I'll just go up there and get it and bring it back and um, so there's still stuff there that I hadn't needed yet that um, I never took down to the house. And, um, but yeah, thank, I just want to say thank you for those. Got, uh, my in-laws, they're here. And then uh, some of my good friends, they uh, uh, lived in Mississippi. And um, then they moved to Kentucky, Matthew and Jessica and their boy Easton. They have been here this week and um, slaving. And um, me and Matthew met... Um, I was playing. The, I played the piano for a group he sung in, and um, now he is. He moved to Kentucky, sing um, with a. I, I say a professional group. He says they're not professional, but close enough to it. And um, but um, they've been good friends to us, and I'm glad they're they're here. All right, Romans chapter number one, verse number one. I want to in Sunday mornings, the Lord gives me liberty. I want to preach through. I love preaching through books. I believe that's how a person grows, is just taking the Word of God and, and digging into what uh, the Word of God says. Um, you know, you can make the Bible say anything you want to. Um, you know, one, one person made, one preacher has made a statement, he said, be careful about just opening up your Bible and letting it fall and um, saying, that's where the Lord wants me to read. He said, said uh, heard a man, of a man one time, he took his Bible and he just uh, had it, had it held open, was held closed, and said, "Lord, um, let let the Bible fall open and let my finger hit the verse that I need to read this morning." 
And so he done that, and he just closed his eyes, pointed to a verse, and um, it was the verse where the Bible says, And Judas went out and hung himself. And um, he said, Well, surely that's not it, so Lord, I'm going to do this again. I'm going to close my Bible, and whatever it, the page it falls on, and where my finger lands, that's the verse that I need. And um, so he did it again, and it came to the verse, Whatsoever thou doest, do it quickly. And um, he said, Never again will I read my Bible that way. And um, so you can, you can make the Bible say anything you want to. Um, you can take a little bit here, a little bit there, and that's how so many false religions are, are started is because of that. And so I, I love just to go and get in a book and dive into it and walk through it. Now, verse number one, the Bible says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God which he hath prom uh, promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name among whom you are also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from our God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for being a good God and a loving Savior to us. Lord, I pray that you would help us as we come to the preaching. I pray that you would empty us of self and cleanse us of sin. And God, work in hearts as only you can do. We'll be careful to give you the honor, give you the glory. In Christ Jesus' name I pray, amen. We read more verses than what we're really going to look at today, but I, I really want to focus in on verse number one. Anytime you see uh, uh, Paul writing a, a book in the Bible, most of the time he, he takes a first, uh, the first verse or the first few, few verses and begins to establish apostleship. He begins to establish who he is and uh, his credentials, if you will. And this is no different of what he does in verse number 1 of Romans chapter number 1. And so as Paul is beginning to write this, there's some uh, big things that he begins to say that I believe sets the scene uh, for a lot of the stuff that he's going to say continuing on in the book of Romans. Now, the book of Romans is a seedbed of truth. So much of, of what we believe and so much of what we teach and preach comes from the book of Romans, also backed up in other places in the Scripture. But I want you to notice, first of all, as Paul begins to introduce himself, as he begins to make some, make some establishing statements in the uh, first uh, verse of Romans, notice what he says. He says, Paul, notice this, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, all of us in here today most likely know who Paul was before he got saved. He was, the, he was Saul, and we'll see that in a moment. And so as he begins to begins to establish himself to the readers of this book. He establishes himself as a servant. And he makes this servant that he's a servant of Jesus Christ. Now, writers in the Bible day would, um, in our day, when a, when a person writes a letter, we will say, dear so-and-so, and say what we have to say. And then at the ending of that letter, we'll say, from or love or whatever, and then sign our name. In Bible days, it was the exact opposite that they would begin to, as they would begin to write the letter, they would say their name and then begin to say what they had to say. So it was almost, it's completely backwards from their day into our day. 
And so Paul, he tells them up front about, uh, about what is going, uh, who he is, and, and then who he is, um, the, uh, the uh, uh, well, my, I lost that. But anyway, uh, the, the uh, 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 authorship, that's the word I'm looking for. So Paul, as he's once named Saul, he was, he was serving religion. We know him as, as Saul, as he, as he is going, he is, as we'll see in a moment, doing uh, everything he could to stomp out uh, the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel of the Lord. And so as he begins to uh, write this book of Romans, he, as to, after he has met the Lord, he begins to establish to the, his readers uh, that Christ has made some changes in his life. One of the changes that God has made in his life is now he is, not, he is now a servant of Jesus Christ. That word servant is the word is the Greek word doulos. It means a, a bond slave. This is a this type of servant, this doulos is a slave that had been uh, that had been freed from slavery, but they they have decided to stay with their master. In, in Exodus chapter number 21. Uh, you don't have to turn there, but very quickly, Exodus 21, I want you to hear what these verses have to say. Exodus 21, verse number 5 and 6 says this, And if thy servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go, go out free. So what has happened prior before this, God is establishing a law that the servant shall, that slave shall serve six years, uh, and the seventh year they can be freed, and they can go out and do what all they, can, all they wanted to they're no longer under bondage. But he says if that person, after they have served six years, and that, that master has set them free, if they want to stay with their master, here is the qualifications of that. And so this is what they said. They said, I don't want to go, I want to stay. And this is what the master is then to do in verse number 6. That his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door, or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. So in Bible days, when you had men that had earrings in their ear, it meant one thing. They were a servant. You want to get, get some attention, go to Walmart, and see these boys walk around with earrings in and ask them who they're servant to. Um, you might want to carry your gun if you do that. Uh, but uh, um, that, that's reality. In their days, that's what they did, is it was a special marking for a servant uh, to have an hole in their ear. So Paul, as he is writing, and he begins to write to, to these people, he tells them, first of all, I'm a doulos. I'm a bondservant. I'm one that has been freed, but I'm continuing to serve the master. He would say, they would automatically know this. There's some marks about the apostle Paul that proves that he's a servant. And so he, he goes on to deal with this. It's a and this marks, this slave was to be marked, and you could tell the difference between a freed slave and one that is in bondage. And so as this, this, this doulos, this bond slave, well, the, the, his whole, the only reason he got up in the morning was to please his master. He didn't serve that master by force. He served him because of love. And I want to ask you this morning, if you are saved and you've been born again, are you serving Christ because you love Him or because you feel forced to? There's a lot of people that 
say they are born again and say that they are a child of God, but the reason they do what they do for God is because they feel like they are in bondage and they have to do what they're doing. But reality, we don't serve God because we have to. We ought to serve God because we love to. You ought not come to church because you have to. You ought to come to church because you love to. And you love to meet with Jesus. And you love to, hey, if you love Jesus, you're going to love the people Jesus died for. I don't understand how a person can say, I love Jesus, uh, but I hate this group, or I hate that group, or I hate this nationality, or I hate this skin color. Friend, if you really love Jesus, you'll love those that He died for, and thank God, as the song says, He, he loves the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. They're all precious in His sight. Friend, you cannot really love Christ and really love Jesus and hate someone because of their skin color. And I know I'm still in the South, and I was preaching it before I came, and I'll be preaching it when I leave. You don't like it, don't let the door hit you too hard on the way out. Friend, I am sick and tired. Some of the most racist people is Christian people. Why in the world would we think we can love Jesus but hate people that He loves? Well, amen, that won't cost you a dime. You done gave the offering and there ain't no refunds, Amen. But reality of it is, is if we say we really love Jesus, we'll love people. It don't make no difference who they are. It don't make no difference how they act. Now let's just be, now I understand there's some times where our personalities are going to clash. There's some times that you're going to do some things that I don't think you ought to do. But I still have to, I still ought to love you because Jesus loves you. And so this, this idea, this is what Paul is setting forth, uh, is this whole idea of this servitude. Is we, we don't do it because we have to. We do it because we love the Master. Not only do we see the change in service, as He has, he has uh, given Himself to a servant of Jesus Christ. Uh, notice also what He says. He says, a servant of Jesus Christ, uh, called to be an apostle, but then notice He is separated unto the gospel. So we see in the first part that Paul is a servant. But then also in the last part we see that Paul is separated and he tells us what he's separated unto. He's separated unto the gospel of God. Now Philippians chapter, Philippians chapter 3 verse number 4 through 5 says this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he, that he hath, whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Verse number 7, But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Paul, by his own omission, says that he was a Pharisee of Pharisees. The word Pharisee literally means a separatist. They were one who had all their I's dotted. They had all their T's crossed. They had, if you was to look at them, they were the epitome of, of what we would think a Christian should be. But reality is they were not serving Christ. They were serving the law. And so this, this I, what Paul says is I'm no longer separated to religion but I'm separated to the gospel of Christ. There again, as, as you see, these old men, these Pharisees, they would have the, have the motto that uh, I used to hear 
uh, used to hear preachers say, I don't spit, I don't drink, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't drink, I don't cuss, uh, and I don't run with the ones that do. And the idea is, is they had, they had uh, put so much, uh, so much emphasis on the outside, they forgot about that which was on the inside. They're the ones that Jesus said, you whited sepulchers. You're clean on the outside, but on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. And so this, this idea of, of changing and separation, that they, they, they would separate themselves from, from all these different things. And listen, I understand the Bible says, Be ye separate, saith the Lord. Come out from among them, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. I know what the Bible says, Love not the world, none of the things is in the world. And, and I understand that. And there are, some, there are things that we need to separate ourselves from. But listen, when you separate yourself from something, you need to fill it with something else so that you don't go back to what you're separating from. What is wrong with most people is uh, they get saved, they get, get born again, they, become, they begin to try to live for God, and let's just say maybe let's just say they have a, have a drinking problem. And so they get born again, they get saved, they give that drinking up to Christ, and instead of filling it some, with something else, there's that void in their heart, there's that void in their life, and there's nothing to fill that void. So what are they going to do in a, few, in a few years? Chances are they're going to go back to the sin that they, that they were struggling with. And so when you give a sin to God, and you say, I don't want this in my life anymore, I want to give it over, whether it be drinking, cussing, smoking, doping, whatever the case is, when you give that sin over to God, what you need to do is you need to fill it with something else. And this is what Paul said. I've served religion all these years. I'm giving religion up. I'm done with it controlling. I'm done with it ruling my life. Instead of serving religion, I'm going I'm to let the gospel of God fill me. Instead of religion driving me, the gospel is going to drive me. You know what's not wrong with a lot of Baptist religions driving them? Instead of the gospel. A lot of churches, religion is driving them and not the gospel. And so many times we mess up in our Christian life where we're giving things over to God as we should. But we're not letting God fill those voids with the things of God. And so Paul, is, he, has, he has dumped religion. Now you do realize, there again, some of the meanest people there is is religious people. There's been millions upon millions upon millions of people that have been slaughtered because of religion. All in the name of religion have they been killed. But do you know the gospel, a person that has given themselves over to the gospel is quite different than a person that's given themselves over to religion. We've all heard the statement, religion says do. The gospel says done. And that, that's reality this morning. As Paul, as he is establishing who he is in the, in the light of these readers, he says, first of all, I'm a servant. But second of all, I have separated myself unto the gospel of God. But then also, not only do we see his separation, but also... In verse number 15 and verse number 16 of Romans chapter 1, we see his striving. And this should be, the, should be the same thing for all of us here this morning that have been saved by the grace of God. We should have the same striving that Paul had. 
Verse number 15, so as much as is in me is, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, that is as written, the just shall live by faith. Saul, the, once Saul, but now Paul, wanted to, to the gospel at one time. He wanted it to be done away with. Acts chapter 9, verse number 1 says that he breathed out threatenings and slaughter against the church. The same man that went from hating the church, the same man that went to wanting to kill those who were in the church, now has, has transformed into a person who instead, who doesn't want to kill people in the church, but now he wants to get people in the church. Instead of trying to stop the gospel of Christ, he's now wanting to further the gospel of Christ. The same man that wanted to do everything he could to annihilate the name of Jesus is now doing everything he can to lift up the name of Jesus in nations all across that known world at that time. You say, what are you trying to say, preacher? I'm trying to say that the gospel has the power to change lives. If it can take, if it can take a man who hated the church, but now he loves the church, it can take a man who wanted to annihilate the church, but now he's wanting to build the church. It can take a man who wanted to curse the name of God, but now he's blessing the name of God. I'm telling you, the gospel has a power, the same power today to change lives as it does, as it did, back in those days now we just we just have already witnessed the horrific events in Texas of the school shooting but here's my question every time something like that happens here's my question where are the churches that ought to be knocking on doors where are the churches that ought to have a bus route where were the churches that should have did their best to reach that young man who done that I'll tell you where they are they're doing whatever every other church is doing they're sitting down not doing any thing for God waiting for sinners to come in their doors instead of trying to get in sinners doors I'm telling you I'm not I'm not taking up for it it's horrific it's a horrible it break it'll break our hearts but listen to me listen to me well we cannot sit back and say what is this world coming to when we're not doing anything to stop it we are to bridge the gap the reason there's so much wickedness, the reason there's so much violence, the reason there's so, many, so, much, so much crime is because the church has stopped being the church and she's not worried about getting the gospel out. She's just worried about getting people in. Don't worry about them changing while they're here. Let's just let them come as they are and leave as they came and let's just get our numbers up. But friend, that is not the gospel of God. The gospel, is God, the gospel of Christ is come all who will and let Christ change your life but so many so many we have lost this we have lost it and listen there again I, I don't want anybody to misunderstand well I'm not I'm not condoning what that young man did but I just wonder had he ever had somebody give him a gospel track in his life I just wonder if he ever heard somebody say Jesus loves you I just wonder if he ever had somebody say, why don't you come to church with me? Chances are the answer is no to all those questions. I lived in Mississippi for 30 years. All my life I've been in Mississippi. 
You know how many times I've been at, been at a restaurant or been at a gas station or been somewhere and somebody walked up to me and give me a gospel track or ask me about Jesus or even invite me to church for that matter? 30 years, you know how, long, you know how many times it happened? I guarantee you, some of you in here, you've been in Shelbyville all your life. And you've never had one person give a gospel tract to you. You've probably never had anybody just walk up, I'm talking about a random stranger, and say, can I tell you about my Jesus? You've probably never had that happen. I want to ask you a question. If you've never had that happen, how many more thousands upon thousands of people I've never had that happen. And let's just face it, we wonder why things are going the way they are. Because so many, so many churches are okay with us four and no more. And we have lost what Paul says, the glorious gospel of Christ. Man, I guarantee you, if I won the lottery tomorrow, I don't play it, but if I won the lottery tomorrow, you wouldn't have to ask me if I won the lottery tomorrow. You'd know it. How, how would you? You'd know it by what I drive. Friend, you'd, you'd know it by what I own. And I'd be sure to tell you about it too. Why? Because that'd be wonderful. All my, all, my, all my struggles would be over. I wouldn't have to worry about money. I wouldn't have to worry about nothing. Man, I could have me, I could have me a time. Why? But we've got something better than $40 million. We've got something that's going to last, not for a lifetime, but we've got something that's going to last for an eternity. Nothing is better than the gospel of God. And that is the least thing most of us talk about, isn't it? By the way, let me just say, I'm not for playing the lottery. But if you do play the lottery and win, let me tell you, I had a person say one time, Preacher, what would you do if I won the lottery? Would you, would you let the church receive that money? I said, well, sure. They said, why? Because the devil's had that money long enough time for God's people to use it. Amen? Hey, if the church won't take it on tithe, the preacher will take it on tithe. Paul, as he begins to, begins to establish who himself, who himself is in Romans chapter 1, the very verse, first verse you see him as a servant. Second verse, uh, the next thing you see him as is you see him, he's changing in separation. And then you see him as his striving. Just striving for the gospel of Christ. As I've already said, what made the change? The change was made because of the last part of verse number 16. And it's that of, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Well, it's the power of God that can, change, that can take a life that's wrecked and ruined with sin. And God, with the gospel of Christ, there's no limit to what God can do to a person who will give themselves over 
to the changing work of the gospel of Christ. And listen, don't ever forget just because you're saved. A lot of people think just now that I'm saved, I don't need the gospel anymore. It's not only, the gospel not only saves you, but the gospel keeps you saved. The power of the gospel is not only what saves you, but it's going to be what is going to take us from here to eternity. I didn't, need the, I didn't just need the gospel the day I got saved as an eight-year-old boy. I need the gospel tomorrow because that get what, that the gospel is what gives me the power to live a Christian life every day that I wake up. The sad reality of it is not every day do I live that way. I ought to, and you ought to too. Don't, don't let you a halo fall down because your horns went in for a second. All of us needs the power of the gospel every single day. I ask as we begin this journey of the book of Romans, you'll find that Paul says some pretty, pretty rough stuff. They some things that as you make your way through the book of Romans, it's hard pill to swallow. Never forget it, it's still the, the message of God. It still is the Word of God. Several years ago, there's a bumper sticker come out and said, God said it, I believe it, that settles it. Part of that is true. They should have just said it, they should have just left it, God said it, that settles it. It matters not if I believe it or you believe it. It does not change the fact that God said it, and it does not change the fact that it is settled. When God says it, it is fact and it is settled whether anybody believes it or not. So I ask you, could we say this morning, could you say this morning those that have been saved by the grace of God, could we say this morning that we are servants of Jesus Christ? Listen, I, I know more people who are more faithful to a denomination than they are a relationship with Christ. What a sad thing it would be for me to go to heaven and God said, well, Charlie, you was a good Baptist, but you was a sorry Christian. Now, I, I do believe that if you get in the Word of God and the Word of God gets in you, I believe you'll be a good Baptist. But, Baptist ain't what saves you. Don't lose your teeth. In Mississippi, you'll get shot for something like that. But I'm glad God got a hold of me before Baptist did. Are we really serving? Let me ask you, let's go a step further. Have you ever once been a servant, but now maybe you're doing what you're doing just simply because you've done it so long, you're not doing it out of a servant's heart, but you're doing it out of obligation. A do lois don't do it by out of obligation. A real servant of Christ does not serve him out of obligation. They serve him out of love. Boy, that, that, that's what I want to do. I want to serve Christ out of love. It's a whole lot more fun doing something you love than something you have to, right? Why is it that it's so hard to get, get, get up and go to work? But man, when it comes hunting or fishing time, boy, us men be up 2 o'clock in the morning. I mean, wide awake. When it comes time to go punch that clock, man, we dragging. Right? When it's fishing time, I don't have to have coffee. 
When I'd have to get up and go to them chicken houses, I had to have coffee and wife push me out of bed and kick me and everything else. We love doing what we love. That's why some people are so miserable in serving Christ is because reality of it is they're doing it because they have to instead of falling in love with Christ. And there's no telling what God could do with Faith Baptist Church if there would be some people who don't serve God because of obligation or serve God because of what they've always done or serve God for this, this reason or that. If we would just come together and serve God because we love Him, there's no telling what God could do with this place. If God took 12 men and turned the world upside down, there's no telling what He could do with us. But it's going to take some people who want to serve Him because they love Him, not serve Him because they want to, or not because they have to, rather. Servitude. But then, not only that, separated. Well, when, they, when people see you and see me, they ought to, they ought to see something different. They, they ought to see somebody that's got the joy of the Lord in their heart. Listen, not all days is going to be, not all every day is going to be zippity doo dah day, and it's a great, wonderful day, and have a happy life, and every day's payday, and every day's Friday. That's not the way it's going to be every day. But we ought to have something in us that pushes us. And something that within us, when people see see us, they can truly say there's something different about them. Now, some people, some independent Baptists I know, a lot of people, independent Baptists, say, you know, I'm an independent fundamental and about 12,000 other adjectives. The reality of it, some of them is just funny mental. God does not call us God calls us to be peculiar, but that word peculiar does not mean weird. If you know, if you know one of them, you, you, you know one of them. Yeah, their, their, their face just come across your mind. Some of them need to start wearing ten, ten head caps. I mean, that's just... God does call us to be different. God don't call us to just be outlandishly weird. I know, and what Jim talked about at Sunday school about preppers. And they're prepping for this and prepping for that. Listen, I'm all for saving up food. I'm all fall far. You want to do that? Have had it. We Food goes too fast at our house to save anything. Somebody asked me one time, do you feed your, your dog table scraps a chihuahua dog wouldn't live at our house if it depended on table scraps they just ain't much left we ought to be separated they ought to see something different then also they ought to they'll see something that stri- that we're striving for and that striving is to get the gospel into the hands of everyone that we can Some of us have been so busy, like Chicken Little, running around saying the sky's falling, that we forgot really what's going to happen and Jesus is coming. And that means there's not much time left. So what we're going to do, we better do it now, because the day's coming, the night's coming when no man can work. And I don't want to be, I don't want him to catch me saying, well, I'm going to start doing this, or I'm going to start doing that. I want him to be able to say, 
I want to be able to say when I meet him, I was doing that. I was doing this. This morning for us that are saved as musicians come, what, what, what does our testimony say? Do we have a testimony of Paul that we are a servant? Do we have a testimony of Paul that we have separated ourselves from some things? But not only have we separated ourselves from the things, but we've let God fill those voids. The question is then, what are we striving for? We striving to get the gospel to men, women, boys, and girls. You know, you'll never meet a person that Christ does not want to save. Boy, what a, what a great truth that is. Maybe you're here and you've never been born again. You don't, you don't, know, you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The most important thing in your life you'll ever do is trust Christ. Trusting Christ is a one-time decision that does not affect your lifetime only, but it affects your eternity. What a day it would be today to get born again if God was drawing you. I don't know your heart, I don't know, I don't know anything. But do know this, God needs more servants. God needs more people who are separated. God needs more people who are striving. This morning, maybe you need to find yourself at an altar and say, God, make me a servant. Help me separate myself from some things. Help me to strive better for the gospel of Christ. There's no telling what God can do to a person that wholly gives themselves to him. I believe we see a little bit in the Apostle Paul. I don't believe we know everything that God did through the Apostle Paul. I don't believe we'll know to heaven. But that's just, we, what we do see is just a little fraction of what God did with a man that had no superpowers, had nothing special about himself, but he just gave himself over to God. Friend, God can do big things with small people who give themselves over to him as we stand every head bowed every eye closed and if you don't know Christ maybe today is the day that God has showed you your lost condition today if God has done that what a day it is for you to get born again